This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Washington left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Go! It's one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Oh, we got some interesting stuff to talk about today. And some fabulous guests, Whip Merrifield, from the Kansas City Royals, the guy that's led the league in hits in 18 and 19 is going to be here at 415. Billy Bean is going to be here. Not the A's Billy Bean, but Billy Bean, former Major League Baseball outfielder who came out after his career to say that he was gay. And, of course, tonight's Pride Night. It's Glenn Burke Night. And I had Billy... On I got it's probably like 2011, 2012, uh, back in the day at the old radio station, and he's a great interview, and he's now a VP for Major League Baseball. So we will talk to Billy Bean, and I gotta say, when you say Cody, I mean you talk about a guy who's so sharp and gets it, and is actually friends with the other Billy Bean. They've known each other for years. Uh, I love when he told that story of how they know each other. He's uh, an ambassador for inclusion for Major League Baseball. Uh, I'm glad we were able to sit down and talk. We did it over video, too, which makes it even better because he wasn't able to be here, but we were able to see him and, and talk with him up, you know, face-to-face over video. Uh, it was great to sit there and listen to him talk about you know, his stories and Glenn Burke and everything. So I'm glad we are able to do that for Pride Night here at the Coliseum. I will joke with him, like, you've really stepped up your title game since the last time I talked to you, probably 2011 and 2012. So that will be at 4.30. And then Lou Trevino will be here at 4.45, and then David Force, the general manager, at 5 o'clock. So Merrifield, Bean, Trevino, Forst, it's going to be a great show. But we have some controversy, and it has nothing to do with anything in Oakland. It is all about what is going on in New York. I played a little bit of it in the third inning yesterday in my third inning hit. But we're going to really play it for you because there's a lot of stuff going on in baseball right now. There's, you know, there is the the fight between the commissioner's office and the players union, the trust between the players and their own organizations and the sport as the CBA is up at the end of the year. Uh, you know, there's, whenever there's a CBA up, the people are going to talk about strikes and lockouts and all that kind of stuff. Right. That's just par for the course. And that's what happens in every sport. Doesn't matter if it's NFL, NBA, hockey, baseball. That's what happens. And right now, with everybody talking about 
what pitchers are doing with substances on the ball and how is baseball going to enforce this. And the other day when Garrett Cole for the Yankees was asked point blank, have you ever used spider tack? And he wouldn't answer. Then he goes out in his start and has a way slower spin rate than he's had in a long time. Well, now there's people saying, you know what, I don't even care about that. The problem is still the baseball. And that's something that we have been going over. And Dr. Meredith has come on and told us how the baseball has changed over years. Well, the polar bear, Pete Alonzo, has basically accused baseball of using different baseballs based on who's going to be or what group is going to be the big free agents at the end of the year. Is it going to be a a big group of pitchers? That's when you deaden the ball. No, no. No, you would would enhance the ball. Yeah, you juice the baseball. You juice the baseball if it's going to be pitchers because you want them to give up more home runs and hurt their numbers. And if it's hitters... Then you want to deaden the ball, which, what did they tell us this offseason? They were going to deaden the ball. Let's hear from the polar bear. Players talk about, and I hadn't heard until you mentioned it, the idea that they do it based on free agent class. Is, is that something that players talk about and, and believe in? Oh, no, that's that's a fact. It's not. It's, it's Yes, we, I mean, guys have talked about it, but. Um, I mean, in 2019, there's, uh, there's a huge class of free agent pitchers. Uh, and then that's quote unquote, the juice balls. And then, uh, 2020, it was a strange year with the COVID, uh, the COVID season. But now that we're back to playing a regular season with uh, a ton of shortstops or position players, uh, that are going to be, that are owed, going to be paid a lot of money, like high, high caliber players. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a, it's not a coincidence. And I, I think that if, yeah, I, I, that's definitely, it definitely is something that they do. It's fact. Wow. I mean, that's something that, um, you know, not, not too many players come out with statements like that, especially when you're in New York city, because it's one thing if you're going to say that in, let's say Kansas city, but New York City is a whole different ballgame. You have more? Uh, the other one's just, it's a really long audio of him explaining why he doesn't really care about the substances. It was the, what led into him talking about that. I figured let's not bore everyone. Let's just play the meat of the audio, which was right. that. Well, and then it gets better. Because what, what's going to happen is people like me are going to go up to Bob Melvin, David Forrest, and you're going to ask the question to these guys, what's going on? Is this true? And not fair to Bob, not fair to David, because they don't manufacture the baseballs. They're not controlling this. Major League Baseball bought into Rawlings, so they have ability to, to do what they want with the baseball. But New York Mets interim GM... Because remember, their GM got fired. Sandy had to fire Porter, their GM, because of uh, sexual harassment. So Zach Scott became the interim, basically, GM. And they went to – it's the New York media. They're going to go right to him. And 
I don't know how this is going to play out. I think he, you know, we're only reading the quotes. But it sounds like he was trying to be funny. But Zach Scott, the GM, said, quote, I didn't know that Pete was a conspiracy theorist. So kind of, you know, I'm not going to say throwing him under the bus, but he goes on to say the way teams value and evaluate performance is relative to levels, so we're not going to be fooled by offenses way up or way down. We're going to look at players about relative to how the league is playing. So it would have no influence on how players are valued or paid. You buy that? No. No, I don't either. Because it's funny, like this. Looking at what Pete Alonso said, just just think about it from what he said. Because he said the the baseball was was juiced. In well, 20- we know for a fact it yeah, was juiced in 2019, and he said how they did that because it was going to affect uh, pitchers' contracts. Did it though? How much money did Garrett Cole get got that off season? Okay, oh. but see, that's the pro. See, what you're doing right there is what the players' union hates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know because you're just going to the extreme, to where. The players' union have, has to represent all the players, but you sports talk guys, you only want to talk about. Steven Strasburg's another one. He got two forty-five. Yeah, you guys want to talk about the extremes, the guys that got paid big money. Well, the the players' union is looking at all the other pitchers. Look at all the relievers. Look at Yesmero Petit. Yesmero Petit has been great. What did he get? Two million. Yeah. So you're going to the extreme of Garrett Cole and Strasburg. But what about all the other pitchers? And then when you say the hitters, you'd go to the extreme of Trout and Mookie Betts and all those guys. But Fernando the, Tatis Jr. But then the but but that's not the norm. Yeah, you you're not counting the norm. And I'm Tony Clark right now, and I'm saying shame on you, sports talk guy. <laughs> well, also what's funny about Peter Alonso too is he he makes these claims which I don't disagree with. He makes these claims. Who had 53 home runs and led baseball here with with the Juice baseball? He made no mention of that, though, that he led baseball at year in home runs. He's not crying about it. So, I mean, but I get it. Like, I, it, it's it's different to see players coming out and talking about it. But, I mean, it's we're talking, again, we're talking about the ball still. We're not talking about the talent on the field, We're ta- on the diamond. We're talking about the baseball still. Well, I would say a fair question to David Forrest is, you know, is it healthy for the game? for players to be talking about the equipment and how the equipment affects their contracts. That's a fair question. Because, once again, David has nothing to do with how the ball is made. And it's pretty – it would be – it'd be pretty scandalous if you're making different balls for different times because of contracts. Now, if you're making different balls to make your game better, that's one thing. And you should come, I mean, that's, you should come out with that. But if you're hiding, which I don't know if you open yourselves up to lawsuits. I mean, that's, as as Jed Lowry said last night, that's above my pay grade. But I do think you're opening, if you're manipulating year by year, season by season, month by month, how the ball, you know, because some people said last year, the ball in the regular season was different than the ball in the postseason. I think we saw that in Dodger Stadium. So that that I mean, for me, these are the guys. You know, they're unless you're cutting up the balls and doing that kind of stuff. But 
these are the players. This is their living. I mean, they know the difference with bats and balls. And, I mean, any sport where you're using a ball or you're using an object like a puck, uh, if you're a tennis player, if you, if you gave a tennis player different types of balls, they would know. They know the, how the ball goes off the racket. Golfers with golf balls and golf clubs, they know what feels right, what, what's different. They know. This is what they do for a living. They're the best at it in the world. I mean, if you're out there taking BP right now, what's, as we're watching the A's take BP, if you had a, a bucket full of one balls, let's say super juiced, and then you had a bucket that was de- decreased flight, and you start throwing BP to these guys, they would notice because this is what they do every day. But, I, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm going to go total conspiracy that New York and Manhattan are sitting there saying, oh, man, we got some really good pitchers. We better juice this ball up. I, Yeah, well, this is a, I think ESPN had this, and it said MLB, you know, how they mentioned how they informed teams about they slightly deadening the baseball. In 2019, 3.6% of plate appearances ended in a homer. That number's dropped to 3.1% this year. So clearly the ball is, I guess, different. Again, it's still not, but as they, uh, was it the Athletic we were reading? Was the Athletic's done a great job with breaking this down. Well, they might as well just write a book because they've yeah. already written a book. Because some of these articles are like 30 pages yeah. long. Um, they were saying how once the weather starts getting warmer out, we're probably going to see more balls fly out of the ballpark. I, I'm remaining optimistic that we are going to see more home runs because, uh, I mean, do I want to see the Twins, a team like the Twins at 307 like they did in 2019? Probably not, but. Well, when's that going to happen for the A's? Because the A's have hit just one home run in 201 at-bats across their last seven home games. Who was it? Jed Lowry last night. Jed last night. (laughs) They had 39 home runs in their first 30 home games. So they haven't been hitting home runs. And that. That's where things kind of get distorted is when you're not hitting home runs, but you're still striking out at the same rate. Yeah. So the three true outcomes, home run, strikeout, walk, well, if home runs come down, but shouldn't the strikeouts? But they're not. So that's where it's not good for the game of baseball. I mean, you're not hitting home runs and you're punching out 13 times a game. That is not good. Do you want to go to Wit early? Um, he, yeah, sure. I was going to actually – I'm trying to – I was going to look to see where the A's rank among strikeouts in Major League Baseball. The Rays still lead all of the world in strikeouts. They have 667. The A's are 13th in baseball in strikeouts at 562. So there are still 12 teams ahead of them in strikeouts among them team-wise. But Matt Chapman's second. By the way, I don't watch every team every day. For you to tell me that the A's are middle of the pack in strikeouts, that's alarming. That's yeah. alarming because yeah. I watch a lot of strikeouts. The, the first place Tampa Bay Rays, mind you, strike out more than anybody. Yeah, but, that, but they win and the A's win because of pitching and defense. Yeah. Well, that, it's that's true. the thing. It's like that, I got to mention that all the time in the postgame show. When people are like, well, hey, you know, the A's are in first place. They're not in first place because of this offense. They're not in first place because of runs scored. They're first place because of run, because they prevent runs. Well, there's another thing in my notes today about how good the A's starters have been lately. A's starters, and it's in the game notes, A's starters have been fantastic. And they're actually in what – 
modern day, I, I mean, that's probably the best way to put it, for modern day staffs, they're actually giving you a lot. The A's have won six of eight in June. All right, they're an MLB best 2.61 starter ERA this month. So tell me about that offense again. The A's are number one in starters ERA for the month of June. That's why the A's are still in first place, a game up on the Seattle on the uh, Houston Astros. I was like, well, Seattle's they, they they get really good that fast. Seattle and <laughs> LA are are uh, six back, and Texas at twelve and a half. By the way, looking you know getting ready for this game, the Central. I mean, wow. Kansas City's already seven and a half. Some teams are so far back already. Well, the White Sox are playing very well. And the White Sox just lost another player. Nick Madrigal's out for – he's on the 60-day IL. Oh, for so, what? Uh, what was that? Was it his foot? I can't remember what, what the injury was. It been, I think it was something with his foot. So he's out. Luis Roberts out. Uh, Eloy Jimenez is out. They have all these guys out. Kopech's out. They're one of their relievers slash starters. He's more of a reliever. All these guys are out, and here they are. Tony's team's still winning. Minnesota. 13 games out. Ugh. Texas, 12 and a half. Uh, Pittsburgh, Ugh. 12. Ugh. Arizona, Tori Lovello, let's fire all the hitting coaches. They're 19 back. You're 19 back. You're not even in mid-June. They're 19 back, and they've lost 19 on the, row. <laughs> on the road. Uh, you know who's coming back today for the uh, Seattle Mariners? Uh, Kyle Lewis. Kendall Graveman. Oh, nice. He's activated from the COVID list. Nice. So that's something maybe to watch out for. Uh, you mentioned the Rangers. With the A's. You know you know, what team's looking at Joey Gallo? Because we were talking about Gallo the other day. I hope to God not the A's. Nope. The Padres apparently want Joey Gallo. That's fine. You can have him. But, but take, I, take him out of division. Where are the Angels? Where, where are the Padres getting? Well, he, doesn't make, that much, he doesn't make that much of money. Don't, don't care. Just, just take him out of division and don't bring him here. Yeah. I mean, he does play stellar defense. I mean, if you have Matt Chapman and Joey Gallo in the same lineup. That's a two and three in the league in strikeouts. Oh, my God. What, what, what's Chapman at right now? 82 strikeouts. He's at 82 strikeouts, and this is the 65th game today? Yeah. Oh, as, as they, myself and Feldy were talking, about, but he has five home runs. But I said, yeah, he hasn't had home runs since May 5th. May, may the 5th be with you? Uh, Revenge of the 5th. Revenge may, of may, the 5th? May the 4th be with you. Um the Oakland A's record for most strikeouts in a season, who is it? The record is. Okay, I would have guessed. 197 is the record. Okay, so if I would have done an educated guess, I was thinking, man, it's either got to be. Reggie's got to be up there. King Kong, Dave Kingman's yeah. got to be up there. And then I, I preface it by saying it's your favorite A's player of all time. And you're like, Josh Donaldson? I said, it can't be Donaldson. I was like, no, no, facetiously, your favorite A's player of all time. And, you're and then went. Jack Cost. <laughs> 197 punchies. Where's Bob Guerin now saying, Jack Cost is our best player? Um, I don't know. Where's Jack Cost even at? I mean, Bob Guerin's a bench coach for the Dodgers, but don't know where Jack Cost is at. I oh, mean, he hasn't gotten another manager's job? Uh, wasn't he linked to a couple jobs? Hey, let's get to Whit Merrifield. <laughs> Old two-hit Whit. Well, last time we had Whit on the program, 2019, we were on the field. And we are able to get him today, friend of the program. Here is the terrific second baseman for the Kansas City Royals. Hey, it's great to have you on the program once again. How is life treating you? Uh, life's good. Enjoying sunny California. 
you know, the, the last time we had you on, we were down on the field, and it kind of sucks that we're, we're not able to see guys anymore. But, of course, you know, everybody that comes on our program, we call friend of the program, and, and we follow you. And I got to tell you, like the last 13 games, you're red hot. Tell me how things are rolling for you in the Royals. Uh, yeah, I mean, things are falling for me uh, lately. Last night, not, not so much, but, um, you know, it's just a, the game of ups and downs, and you just got to gotta stay consistent and, you know, try to try to put together the best uh, group of at-bats you can each and every day. And if you do that, you know, at the end of the season, numbers will be what they are. So we had your old skipper, Ned Yost, on before the start of this series, and we talked about you, and he talked about just how proud he was of you as a player and the player that you've become. And he said he was so glad he was wrong. He thought you'd be a guy that could, would be competitive. He didn't realize you would be this good, and he's happy that he was so wrong. T talk about your relationship with your old skipper. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad he was wrong, too. I wish he was you know, been right, I guess, more early on. And, and I guess, or I guess I should say, I wish you would have been wrong more early on in, in my career, um, you know, instead of being in the minor leagues for so long. But, you know, everyone's got their own journey. And um, it was, you know, mine was destined to be when, when it was. So uh, Ned was great. I enjoyed it when he was here. And uh, we had a great relationship. And I know he's enjoying retirement life. Yeah, when we talked to him, he was just getting off the tractor in Georgia. <laughs> yeah, life has dramatically changed. You know, in 2019, when we had the interview with you, you were chasing 200 hits. Now, you've led the league in hits in 18 and 19, and we knew that would be a big mark for you and thought that, you know, we could see 200 hits for many years to come and obviously 2020, only 60 games. But what did that mean in 2019 to finally get over that mark of 200 hits? It was great. It was a milestone that I you know, always wanted to accomplish and uh, was very fortunate that I was healthy long enough to get to 200 hits. And it's something that I'll, I'll always be able to, hang my hat on and have and, you know, hope to do it again and um, hope to, like you said, do it again for uh, many more years. You know, it's an interesting year so far for your Kansas City Royals. It's that dance around 500. You know, we, we've seen this for for years with teams where you might get a little bit over 500 and then you fall back a little bit under and you're chasing that. What has that been like so far in the first 60-plus games? We've been a, we've been a streaky team. We've we've had some uh, pretty good stretches where we've won a lot of games, and then we've had some not so good stretches where we've lost. Uh, you know, we lost eleven games in a row at one time. Uh, we just snapped a five game losing streak last night. So we got to find a way to be a little more consistent. But we got a really good team. We got a lot of talent, and it's just a matter of us putting it together um, a little a little bit more consistently. And I think we'll be we'll be just fine. Well, one thing that's really been a strength for you guys is talk about your bullpen. Yeah, bullpen's been great. They've been they've been lights out for us, and um, a lot of a lot of young guys with a couple older guys like like Holland and and, and Wade that um, are trying to find roles, trying to figure out you know who's who's going to emerge as, as as that closer, as that you know that eighth and a setup guy, and um, it, it's I'm sure it's a hard decision for our management because everyone pitches so well. So it's, um, 
good problem to have, and they've done a, a great job this year, and look forward to, to them continuing to have success. You know, Salvador Perez, once again, is having an outstanding year. You know, hitting 277, 14 bombs, an 809 OPS. Just how great is it to see him back and see him fully healthy again? Yeah, he just brings such a, a huge dynamic to our lineup when he's healthy to have the, the, you know, probably, not even arguably, probably just the best offensive catcher in the league. Um Hitting, hitting third or fourth horse every day is just is huge. And we're glad he's healthy, and we need to, need to do our best to keep him healthy. You know, a lot of people have been talking about foreign substances on the baseball and spider tack and, you know, whether they're talking sunscreen with rosin. You know, as you've progressed in your career, have, have you seen a big difference with the pitchers and movement? I mean, pitchers are just – they've just gotten – so nasty when it comes to velocity and and uh, break and you know their sliders and curveballs and whatever it's just become so nasty and I, I don't I don't know how much that stuff plays into it I'm not a pitcher so I can't I can't tell you how much tack would would help my ball break I know there's some science to it but um, it's almost pitching just almost to the point where it's let's see how nasty we can make our stuff and and not 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 as much about command and, and hitting spots. It's how much can my slider break? How hard can I throw it? And yeah, that's a. Uh, it's nice for you know social media clips and videos and whatnot, and for everyone to see how nasty your stuff is. But you know, we're seeing hit by pitches at an all-time high. I mean, we've had three guys hit in the head in the last week of, of our season, so it's. It's a little bit uh, of a scary place to be, and uh, I'm not sure how we combat that, but it's, it's, it's going to have to be a discussion before too long because um, it's, it's getting a little dangerous for hitters. I was talking about you last night in the postgame show about your approach and having a two-strike approach, choking up on the bat. We see so many guys go up there with the same swing and strike out after strike out after strike out. Just talk about how when you get two strikes on you, what do you do and what are you thinking about? Uh, I mean, it doesn't change a whole lot. It's, it's, it's my approach from the get-go is to, is to hit the ball hard. And, um, I mean, with two strikes, you know, it's still the same approach. I'm still trying to command the zone and, and find a, get a, get a pitch and hit it hard. I'm going to have to – uh, I guess broaden the pitches I'm looking for with two strikes, but uh, besides that, I mean, I don't, I don't have this drastic, you know, I don't spread out or not, no stride or choke up extra. I, you know, I choke up from the get go, um, so that's that's not any different for me. But um, you know, it kind of goes along to what I was saying about the pitchers. I mean, hitters are concerned about hitting homers and walking, and that's that's what's getting guys paid. So you know, why not? So I laugh at that every time, and people don't really care if they strike out or not. So um, that's the nature of this game right now, and if we want to see a change, something's got to happen. When you were preparing for this series, just want to know your thoughts. Uh, I know it's only been one game, but I know you guys prepare for each team. What What are your thoughts on the 2021 Oakland A's? I uh, don't know much about them, but, you know, besides, you know, the guys that have been here for a long time, Olsen and Chapman and um, – you know, we faced Montas last night, so I did my 
kind of report on him. But besides that, you know, I just take it day by day and uh, get ready for for this guy tonight. Um, you know, another guy coming back in from the pen. But besides that, I really I don't know much about him. Hey, Whit, we always appreciate the time that you come on when you guys uh, come to town. And uh, we're, we're big fans of your game. And good luck to you the rest of the way. And good luck uh, in that Central. And hopefully we'll talk sometime soon. All right. Thank you, guys. I like to hit Whit. I like his game. He's hitting 309, 12 RBIs in his last 13 games. What does he do? He gets on base. He hits. And he gets, well, I mean, it's getting on base. He hits. Hey, hey, as Feldy would tell you, a walk's as good as a hit. Coming up next, Billy Bean. Not Billy Bean, our Billy Bean, Major League Baseball's Billy Bean, right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the And you're listening to A's Cast, your 24-7 destination for A's baseball. Well, it's going to be a great night out here at the ballpark. It's going to be beautiful. It's Pride Night, and we've renamed it Glenn Burke Pride Night as Glenn Burke came out as a player that he was gay. And that's something that, especially in his era, did not happen. I, is he the first to ever do that? Yeah, he was. I mean, that's, I mean, that takes, and, and God bless him. And Billy Bean, we always got to say, not the A's Billy Bean. But Billy Bean, who was a Major League Baseball outfielder, was a pretty good player. Detroit, Dodgers, and San Diego. Uh, he came out after his playing days, but now he works for Major League Baseball. He's vice president and special assistant to the commissioner and also the ambassador of... He's the ambassador for inclusion for Major League Baseball. Here is my conversation earlier today with Billy Bean. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, it's Billy Bean. No, not that Billy Bean, the other Billy Bean. It's great to have you on the program. It's been a long time since we last chatted uh, in San Francisco on our old sports radio station. And uh, you and Billy Bean have crossed paths before. Yes, many times. First of all, Chris, thank you for having me. I appreciate uh, a minute to uh, spend with you. Uh, Billy Bean and I have known each other since, uh, wow, 1987 or 88. Uh and uh, we're teammates uh, on the Toledo Mud Hens when uh, we were both uh, still playing. And not only has he been a great, uh, you know, inspiration to me with all the accomplishments that he's made for us and for himself in the game, but uh, we were great friends then. He's always lent an ear, uh, bouncing ideas off him, and uh, he's a busy guy. Um, but his support of my work uh, is very influential across the league, and I have great appreciation for that. Well, you know, you've acquired some fancy titles in baseball since the last <laughs> time we spoke. Yeah, I, I started, uh, you know, I was away from baseball for a very long time and uh, was uh, invited back, uh, and I have some, you know, great, great uh, leadership that I report to at the Office of the Commissioner, and their vision uh, really sort of created a role called an ambassador for inclusion. And there wasn't a big definition for that job at the time. But I think the fact that I'm a former player, um, that was another window added to the the opportunity. And my I have very strong opinions about 
um, how not only how much I love baseball and how grateful I am for the opportunity that I uh, had to play six years in the big leagues, but how great I think baseball can be um, in its uh, ability to impact the lives of our fans. And so um, I just kept chattering away in meetings. And I think uh, that allowed me to uh, move a little bit closer towards the commissioner and his senior leadership group. Um, and, you know, I tried to be extremely prepared with uh, my thoughts and ideas. But, you know, I played in the American League and the National League. I played in Japan. I speak fluent Spanish. I played in winter ball four times. Um, I graduated from a really tough college. Um, I felt like I, you know, played the big leagues and I felt like I had a, 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 a seat. If I was given a seat, I had a, 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 an opinion to give. And I felt like whether uh, baseball was ready for that uh, remained to be seen. And I've been thrilled at, you know, what just started out as invitations from like Billy Bean to come talk to his big league club seven years ago um, uh, to annual conversations, to front office conversations. And then um, the success of those um, and my ability to get in front of ownership groups at winter meetings and, uh, and ownership meetings, that tremendous amount of resources now are allocated to off-field development and education programming. And we're able to put all kinds of topics in front of players that we feel are impactful and help them uh, become well-rounded citizens away from the field. Um, and they match, in my opinion, the amazing resources that we provide to them on the field. And, uh, and you put all that together and you got a really great mix, especially when the players, um, you know, we have to be patient. They get to the big leagues very, very young and to have, uh, you know, they need a, a minute to catch up to the world. When they arrive there, they got a job to do. It's very, very hard and stressful. But for those players that settle in are and are just amazingly successful, um, I just so filled with gratitude at the, the, the amount of players that are willing to be great ambassadors for these kinds of conversations. Well, tonight is Pride Night, and we're naming it now after Glenn Burke, the first openly gay Major League Baseball player, Oakland native, A's alum. When you look back, would, would you do it differently? Would you come out as a player, or do you still feel that you couldn't have done that back when you were playing? Well, it's a tough question because we live in a different world now, right? The generation, the messaging, the, the support. I mean, if I would have seen the amount of support um, that baseball is, is consistently putting out there, or if Glenn had, it would have changed his career. You know, it, Glenn was so far in front of his time. Um, and Glenn was raised in a very, very supportive, uh, tight-knit, close-knit, loving family. And he was not taught to think that his sexual orientation was anything to be concerned about. And so he was wired much differently than me, where he had no reservation if someone was going to confront him in that space. Um, to stand up for himself. And I admire, and I mean, I wish that I had been, had raised in that situation. I grew up in a much different environment, a military household, the oldest of five boys, very Catholic, conservative. And I, I did not uh, have a, a strong self-esteem uh, where it came to me. Um, but if I had 
at that time as a player, or if I was still playing and the things I know now, I would, I would love to champion that, um, message and conversation because I've been impacted by people who have fought for much more serious things like the HIV medication, acknowledgement at the federal level that the disease even exists, employment equality in the workplace, the ability to fight and defend your country in the military, the ability to marry the person that you love. Um, so off the shoulders and backs of those warriors, I would, I would absolutely step up and, and uh, because I would know that my team would support me. We have incredible, you know, leadership with field managers. Now I talk to all of them and they're just in our, even our players, uh, uh, Mark Kanya just the other day, you know, was quoted saying how, you know, on the Oakland A's, how he would, you know, be the first in line to support a teammate. You know, it's just all about, are you a guy in the clubhouse that's going to go to battle with your with your brothers 162 times a year, you know, uh, post up? And, and, and I think that we have uh, finally eliminated the stereotypes that uh, a gay man can't do that. You know, we've seen enough examples. There weren't any role models for me to fall back upon. And so I just dwelled solely on the things that made me different from my teammates and my family, not the things that we had in common. And, you know, my former teammates have taught me a lot um, as well about, it's just about, you know, you don't get to the big leagues unless you're anything but a baseball player. There's yeah. no time. There's no time. I'm sorry. you got to be really good. So, you know, and the, and the beauty of that is that the guys in the clubhouse all know how hard it is to get there. You can't buy it. It's not a favor. You know, it's and so I think there we we are all evolving in a in a way that is smarter, uh, more accepting. Um, you know, if you're not good enough, you'll be gone, right? There, it doesn't take long for a player to play his way out of the big leagues. So um, I think that would all take care of itself. And if into you know, it's a long answer, but to answer your question, if I was who I am now, uh, I and I was playing in this generation, I wouldn't hesitate. But it is a huge consideration. There's so many factors and your ability to, you know, communicate all the, tr the things that athletes and players have to go through to stay in the big leagues, be healthy. You know, your front office leadership has to, you know, decide if you fit into, you know, the composition in, of the club. You know, these are the things that go through a player's mind. All they, all we did coming up to the minors was, see players get eliminated. And you know, you, like I said, you're baseball first. So you want, and, and, and most of the players in the big leagues now are in their early twenties. And how many of us were fully evolved emotionally in our early twenties? You know, it's, it's a lot to ask to, of, of someone to play world-class level baseball against world-class level players. Um, and so my job and, and the message that I want people to, to hear from me is that we have to continue to work to create a culture where everyone, regardless of your sexual orientation or your, your gender, your gender identity expression, your race, what language you speak, you know, if you're the best and most qualified player to be on the team or a person to work in baseball, then we need to create an environment and continue to cultivate an environment where everyone feels welcome for that opportunity. That's the only way we can be the very best we can be. You know, we criticize these millennials for a lot of things, but I think what you said about Mark Canna 
And I know, especially like the A's clubhouse, there's so much love for each other. You know, a lot of these guys go to these different levels from low A to high A to double A to triple A, then to the big leagues. And they've played with each other for a long time. And with what, what, what millennials have seen in society based versus what we saw growing up, I kind of agree with you. I think today's modern day player, when we talk about social injustice or we talk about racial equality or we talk about people's sexual orientation, I think they're very, they'd be far more forgiving than generations of the past. Yeah, you, the, the, the negativity and the stereotypes were supported. You know, what, what players of color were subjected to and, 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 you know, white-skinned players just thought, well, that's just the way it is, you know, in the 50s and 60s. We, we cannot stand for those types of historical mistakes. And so, you know, the conversation, it's, um, it's multi-layered. And, you know, I, I don't want it to rest on the shoulders of one player. That's not fair. But if a player is ready, it will be because of what they see uh, tonight in Oakland and, and the messaging in the clubhouse, the education conversations that, that I will be participating in. We, we have um, amazing uh, activations. I'm, I'm speaking to uh, at the MLB uh, first ever draft combine where 200 of the prospects for the draft in July coming into our sport are going to be socialized with education and, and values that baseball uh, wants to uh, share with them. And if they want to be a great big leaguer, you know, they're going to have to make those considerations. You know, every player is going to do what they want. It's not a mandate. But, you know, to try to find a common ground. Um, and when Mark Canna, you know, or somebody who's succeeded in the big leagues um, is able to just, you know, make a comment uh, of support like that, it just uh, – it influences the younger players. And they're like, you know what? This is the way it is in Oakland. I like that, you know? And and, uh, and it doesn't have anything to do with who and what they are. It's just that when you wear that jersey, what it represents, and you should feel a sense of responsibility because it's a privilege. It's a privilege to play out there. Um, and they will know that when they aren't playing out there ever, you know, when their career is over. And I hope everybody... Uh, I wish everybody could play 15 years in the big leagues, but um, it moves quickly. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to find that common ground to see where they might relate to it. All right. Brad Pitt didn't play in a movie, but you <laughs> yeah, did play. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> but you played in the big leagues. What was your finest moment playing Major League Baseball? Ha! Huh, wow. Um, well, I think every, every player's uh, – first day in the big leagues is magical and surreal. You know, I, I was called up to the big, uh, the big leagues by Detroit Tigers. I tied a major league record. I got four knocks in my first game, you know, Sparky Anderson was my manager. You know, we had a tremendous veteran team of Lou Whitaker and Alan Trammell, Kirk Gibson, you know, Daryl Evans, Tom Brookins, you name Jack Morris, you know, Willie Hernandez, all these guys, uh, uh, Mike Heath, former Oakland A's, was a catcher. Uh, um, and, you know, that was a great day. I got to play alongside Tony Gwynn for three years. I, I have to say I hit a, I hit a three-run bomb in uh, the game. He got his 2,000th hit, I think. He was on first base when I hit my home run. Um, and, you know, just 
the moment where it may not have felt like a big deal to others, but you know, when you grow up and you love baseball and you, you watch the players, you know, those moments where you felt like you're just one of the guys, um, you know, nobody handed that to me and nobody can take it away from me. And those are the, the quiet moments that, um, I cherish forever. I really will. Well, it's an honor to have you on the program. Let's do this every year. We should do this every year because the work that you've been doing, because it's been a long, I mean, I think it was like 2011, 2012, somewhere around in there last time I talked to you. But obviously every year you, got, every year you guys are going to be making progress. So uh, let's make this an annual thing. I will be here. All I need is an invite. And I appreciate it, Chris. You've been a, a great supporter of the messaging. And, and uh, today's a great day in Oakland. I wish the team good luck. And uh, all you got to do is call. I'll be there. Super guy. The A's will celebrate the Bay Area's LGBTQ community tonight. It's Pride Night, but we've renamed it Glenn Burke Night here at the Coliseum. Friends, families, and allies. And it's going to be uh, a great night here as the Athletics Game 2 of a four-game set between the Athletics and the Royals. We, we're jam-packed today. That's You made that. Yeah, we don't usually do this. It's like we're at the winter meetings again where it's just interview after interview. But. Well, it, well, it's like everybody you asked ended up saying yes. <laughs> I know. Whit Merrifield was a late ad, but it, but we were working for, working for this for the last couple of days. But we got him late, but I'm glad we were able to. Lou Trevino's been getting it done for the athletics uh, in the bullpen, and we caught up with him earlier today. Well, it is always an honor when you can have two PSAC legends on the same interview at the same time. I mean, Lou, this is this has got to be like one of the highlights of your career. I mean, it definitely is. I don't. There's nothing else that that quite feels like this right now. Cody, what did you say? He's going up the slippery rock uh, all-time legends list right now as we speak. Some would argue that Matt Adams is the most prestigious slippery rock alum. Lou quietly climbing the board, though, based on longevity. You have to put Matt Adams there. But in that series against Colorado, we could have seen a a showdown. He almost faced me. He was he was pinch hitting. If I didn't get Toppy out, I was facing him. That would have been uh, that would have been quite the showdown. Yeah, that would have been PSAC on PSAC crime. Something you don't see very often in Major League Baseball. <laughs> <laughs> PSAC on PSAC, not not only that, but Slippery Rock on Slippery Rock crime. It, it, it reminds me of Caprellian facing Brandon Crawford. That was some serious uh, last yeah. year UCLA crime. Uh, we had a good kick with that. <laughs> but you, you're off to a really good start. How you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, you know, the more I, the more I've been throwing, the the better I've been getting. You know, sometimes you get some some rocky outings here and there, but for the most part, I've been feeling really good. And uh, you know, I, I feel like uh, most of our teams firing all cylinders and um, you know, it's 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 been fun, uh, fun last you know few months of baseball. The mentality of closing. What's it like going to the ballpark, knowing that there's a good chance you could be getting the final three outs of the game? Uh, I mean, I don't I don't see it as as any any different, really. You know, at the end of the day, you got to get strike. You you know, you got to throw strikes and, and you got to get outs, whether it's the first inning or the ninth inning. Obviously, sometimes. There, you know, there, it's, it's, it's a little, it's a little more pressure, I guess. But you know, at the end of the day, it's still the same exact thing. So you know, it's all about just getting weak contacts and, and, and weak contact and sw swing and miss, and that's really all I'm focused on. 
you know, the thing that we want to see, and because the numbers show it out, forget forget the, the fancy data and analytics. We just know if a starter goes deep into games for the Oakland A's, you're pretty much going to win that game. So tell me, what has it been like watching from the bullpen and watching your starters really starting to get into groove and going longer in games lately? Yeah, I mean, our, our rotation has been fantastic this year. Um, I, I know they, they eat up a lot of innings. It seems like every single day uh, they're going at least six innings. I and mean, we've had two two complete games so far this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, it's it's been fun to watch. I thought Frankie, uh, I thought Frankie threw really well yesterday. You know, electric stuff. It's just two unfortunate uh, gr- ground balls. You know, tough, tough plays. It's just, you know, that's that's baseball sometimes. But I thought he put himself in a great position to win the game and 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 get deep into the game like he did and have real success. So it's it's nice seeing seeing the the, the starters um, really bear down and 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 well, one Mania the other day to throw almost 50 pitches in the first two innings. But then to go six innings after that, like that's that's huge, huge, huge. So um, you know, it, it definitely it definitely gives our team confidence. It definitely gives the hitters confidence. You know, our bullpen confidence. So, you know, it's 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 fun to watch. So you were a starter. What is that like when you go out? You have a good outing, but a couple things don't go your way. You end up losing the game, and then you got to sit on that for five days. What is that like? Well, I mean, it's not, it's not easy, but at the end of the day, you know, you can't control anything up, up until you release or up until after you release the ball, you know, you, you can't control it. All you can do is put yourself in a position to succeed. And like I said, with Frankie, he threw the ball really well yesterday. I thought his stuff was, was all electric. He was able to, to mix speeds very well. And, you know, it just, he, he put the ball in a good spot and they, and he got the ground balls he, he was looking for, but you know, some of those ground balls found daylight. It was a tough play at third. Like that's, you know, it's tough. And then, and then you got a slow ground ball up, up the middle. Like he got his ground ball. He got his weak contact. It just didn't work out for him. So, I mean, for me, I know I'm, I'm a reliever now, but as a starter, you still gotta, you still gotta be not, you still gotta be proud of how you threw it. Just, unfortunate that it didn't work out the way you you wanted to, to work out so I, I know I know for me that's how I lo- looked at it you know I, I'd rather I'd rather have that than just be just destroyed and sprayed all over the yard and and you, you're you know you're, you're missing mill you're walking people you know uh, nine times out of ten he's gonna have a he, he's, he's gonna get the w so it's just kind of it happened to where he, he didn't get it and then you know but like I said I thought he threw really well and you just gotta you just gotta live on, on on the positives and not dwell on the negatives. You know, the last time we were able to travel with you guys, 2019. I remember a couple times when I came down to right right behind the dugout, and you know I was going to interview somebody for the post game show with the A's winning, and there was a couple times during this road trip you you came out of the game, and I think it was Detroit where there's a there's a workout room right next to the dugout and you were so frustrated with your release point and I didn't say anything in the post game show about it. I mean that's I you know I was down there to do an interview. I don't want the fans to know, but there was some frustration with your mechanics in 2019 that I don't think you you had in 2020 and obviously you don't have it this year. How did you work through 2019 to get where you are? 
Uh, this is more of a mentality change. You know, your mechanics, unless, you know, unless everything clicks, like in 2018, everything was just click clicking. Everything worked. You know, it was, I had all my pitches and it was, and, and pitching at that time was easy. And then in 19, pitching was the furthest thing from easy. And instead of just accepting who I was that day, I was trying to fix things on the mound. I was trying to, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't, like I wasn't p pitching, you know, you know what I'm saying? I was, I was trying to be mechanical out on the mound. And, and as I've, as I've gotten older, as I've gained more, more experience, you kind of realize, Hey, whatever you have, you have, and you, you gotta, you gotta like fans don't care if Lou Trevino isn't feeling like his, his mechanics are good th that day. You know, my teammates don't care. Like they, they want me to, to succeed. Like I have a job to, to do. So it was one of those things where it's kind of of a mind shift to where, instead of instead of focusing on hey i'm not feeling good i gotta try and fix things like who cares you know i i am who i am that specific day and and i have to do a job so it was one of those things where it was it was a good it was a good mentality shift and in doing that you know as you throw my, my mechanics have gotten better i've been feeling better and better so it's just one of those things i think it was more of a mentality shift in 2019 uh uh than, than you know just focusing on, oh, my, my release point sucks, so I'm probably not, not going to do well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, I mean, we see it in all sports. I mean, if you're like a shooter in basketball and you're launching a three and you're worried about your mechanics as you're shooting it, uh, that's going to be a brick. I mean, as a quarterback, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're gripping, you know, your reads and how you're going to throw, I think a golf's a great example, too. If you're up yeah. on the tee and you're thinking about your mechanics and not thinking about where you're going to hit the ball, you're not going to be successful. Exactly. So it was just for me, it was, a, it was a good mentality shift. And it's something that I had to go through. Obviously, I didn't want to go through that. You know, 2019 was a tough year, but it, it, it made me better in, in the long run. So, you know, for, for that, I'm thankful. You know, you got a core that's been down there for a while now. And I, I know Yasmero Petit is somebody that means a lot to you guys. Uh, his wisdom on the field his wisdom off the field. He's been around the game for so long and been such a great pro. Just talk about what he means to your bullpen. And he's not out there throwing 98 miles an hour. <laughs> Petit is the absolute man. That, that dude's a, that dude's a machine. You know, he, he throws, he, he throws all the time and he gets you, he gets you the results that, that you're looking for. I mean, he's a magician. He'll go out there, bases loaded, no outs and, and, and get out of it, you know, and, and and he and he does it throwing 86 to 88, touching 90 at times. But like he, he commands the zone. He has great deception. You know the if if you watch him, if you watch him closely and how he throws throws the ball, everything is 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 a fastball out of hand, and they all, everything just kind of just moves just ever so slightly off the barrel. Uh, he he doesn't throw predictable. He doesn't throw fastballs in predictable fastball counts. He's always switching it up. And and like you said, he's 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 a he's an awesome teammate to be around. I mean, he's he's one of the longest. I think I played with him for four years now in my my whole entire career. And and he's he's a great guy to 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 pick his brain because uh, you know he 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 reads hitters really well. He's a he's a pro. He doesn't complain. Uh, I mean, he, you want to talk about a, a guy to model your your career after? Like that's. That's a guy to look at, and so and for for me to have him as as a teammate the last 
last four years or, or my whole entire major league career has been a, a blessing beyond words. And, you know, he, he is the absolute man. We can't forget about Bob Melvin. We know what he means to all of you guys as men. And you guys really appreciated him getting that record and celebrating him tying the record, then getting the record. What does Bob Melvin mean to you? He's awesome. I, I, I really enjoy, I really enjoy Bob a lot. He's, he, he cares. Um, he's, he's a great coach. He let, lets you be you, you know, he's not, he, he, he lets you have fun. I mean, if, if you were to come pregame, you know, we got, we got a hack game go, going out in the outfield for about 30 minutes. Like, what other team does that? You know, he's, he's just, he's, he's a good, he's a great players coach. He's a great, great person. You know, he has your back. Uh, it's, and, and again, going back to, you know, Petit, I've had my whole entire career. And then Bob Melvin, I've had my whole, whole entire career. And, uh, and, and you can't, I, I can't be more happy and thankful to have those, those two around me. Yeah, I wonder if the, the, the old school Hall of Fame coaches like Dick Williams and Tony Larusa would have been cool with you guys playing hacky sack down the left field line. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't know about that, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful Bumwell does because we have a blast. We have a, a blast before we start throwing, so it's, it's it's fun to go to the ballpark every day, and that's and that's the culture he creates, and there's a reason why he's he's the winning most coach in in, in Ace history. You know, he's just he's 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 great. He's he's awesome. Yeah, we we had Bassett on, and Bassett was talking about how you know guys leave the A's. And they go to other teams and they go, it's just miserable here. It's no fun to where over the years, you guys are playing flip. You're playing hacky sack. You got a soccer, soccer. ball out there. You got a football. <laughs> yeah. You guys are having a blast. Yeah. I mean, again, like I, I don't want to you know beat a dead horse, but like that's, that's, I think that's the reason why, why we win. We play loose. You know, we, we enjoy being around each other. You know, it's not, it's not a, it's not boot camp. You're not, you're not stuck there and just, all right, think about baseball. And it's the only thing about baseball. No fun, no fun until morality improves. Like, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's fun going to the golf, uh, sorry, golf course. Geez. It's fun going to the baseball, the baseball field every, every single day, you know? So uh, it's just, like I said, it's a te testament to how, how great of a coach uh, Belmel is. Let's end on this. Everybody now is talking about walk-up songs. And for you guys, it's I don't even know what you call it because you're not walking up to hit. But you go with a British rock band. Have you ever thought about going with something crazy like a, a Madonna or a Careless Whisper or something that make the crowd just kind of laugh? Because you've got some wild ones coming out of the bullpen right now. Yeah, we have we have a lot of we have a lot of different ones, but no, I'm I I mean, no, I'm not I'm not a Madonna guy. Like I, I would much rather like how I view how I view walk up songs or walk out songs, whatever you want to call it, like I'm like something that the fans would maybe enjoy, but that's a me thing, you know. I'm trying to get fired up. I'm trying to trying to strike guys out. I'm trying to you know pump pump lead. So I don't know. I I I want to. I'm trying to just get fired up. So you know, I know, <laughs> I know you got you got a, a Canna with his song like that. That that doesn't fire me up necessarily. But hey, whatever whatever works for you, whatever is is whatever works for you. So you know. It might be the line of the year. I'm not a Madonna guy. I love it. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Lou, we're always rooting for you. You're a friend of the program. Can't wait to see you when we get down on the field as we're now starting to be allowed to uh, come down. But congratulations on the great start. Keep it up and be well. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Lou Trevino. Hey, he's not a, he's not a Madonna guy. When he said that, I... 
I, I laughed a lot, but my mic was off. But you were laughing because I don't think we expected to hear him say, I'm not a big Madonna guy. He's yeah, not a big Madonna guy. Yeah. What, well, his generation, too. I mean, my, you know, she she's. Wait, well, I'm in his generation. Yeah, you guys, you guys don't remember when. <laughs> but Madonna, I like Madonna. When Madonna was king, when she was a lot younger, a lot, a lot has changed in this world. So I could see how Lou is not a big Madonna guy. Uh, I I did like when Mark Hanna. I, I I did like Vogue a lot. Now, like a version's funny, but I did like Vogue. I thought that that was more of a. I don't know. If, if I was an athlete, I thought that would be more. Uh, that would get me more pumped up than Like a Virgin does. I think Like a Virgin's is funny. Josh Reddick and Careless and Whisper. Whisper. That's oh. a good one. We did this yesterday with the whole right field guys are all swaying back and forth. I just think of like a like of a you know like a hair rock band where you know with like the lighters and the like being in a concert with the lighters in the air. You want to go a ballad from like Motley Crue? Yeah. Home sweet home tonight tonight I'm on my way. Or every rose has its thorn. Thank you, Brett Michaels. That might be good. A cheesy 80s hair rock. I think I might like that. Depends on which one you want I to mean, go I mean, I can't remember the name of the band, but uh, our friend Eric Burns, Josie's on a vacation far away. That's what um, The Outfield is what they were called. Yeah. David Force is here. Unfortunately, David, you, you're, you're, you're in on, we're, we're talking walk-up songs right now. How are you? Um, I was wondering which conversation I was listening in on. I'm doing fine. How are you, Chris? Uh, Line of the year, Lou Trevino. I was asking him about walk-up songs, and he goes, yeah, I'm just not a Madonna guy. (laughs) It's been been quite a controversial first two months for Mark with that song. I don't know why. Uh, I I, I love it. I, I love that. I mean, it was really Josh Reddick who started with Careless Whisper, where it was like, you know, an Eric Burns with the outfield. I mean, some of these are just, they're classics and they're funny and the fans love it. I, I, I will say like a virgin got an extended play the other night during a, uh, a mound visit. And, and uh, being a parent, I was a little worried about some of the, the young kids in the ballpark, but then I remembered that it was, I was eight years old in 1984 and I listened to it on the radio. So it must've been okay. (laughs) I know it's it's taken us back a long, long way. Well, how how, how are you feeling right now? We're in June. How are you feeling about your club? Uh, Well, you caught me after a rough night. So uh, we kind of go day to day around here, but uh, big picture, you know, we're, we're, we're playing well. We had a good road trip, took two out of three in both spots and, uh, starting pitching is, is keeping us in the game pretty much every night, and that's all you can ask for. Yeah, how hard is that for you? And, I mean, we can go back to Moneyball where Billy Bean can't even watch games and he's got to work out while the game's going on. How do you keep that perspective and not live and die by every game, every pitch? Ooh, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, look, I, I've had a lot of years of, of practice, so I, I would hope I'm better at it now than I was you know, five, 10, 20 years ago. Um, and, and part of it is, is you remember how long the season is. And, um, you know, we got a little out of practice last year because in a 60 game season, it did feel like every night was, was critical. Um, but you try and step back in 162 game season and you're not, you know, you're not going to win 160 of them. You're probably not going to win 120 of them. So um, you have to, you have to realize, not every night is going to be exactly what you drew up and exactly how you expect it to go. And 
Um, and there are, you know, there are some benefits to, to a loss. Maybe the bullpen gets some rest. Maybe a guy gets out of the game early and it helps them the next day. Or um, maybe, you know, maybe even your starter gets some, you know, gets a shorter outing and it helps him the next time out. So it's the normal, the normal ebb and flow of the season. So you, you, yeah, you really have to condition yourself not to, not to blow up every night or not to, not to be super excited every night and just, just realize what we're in for here all the way through the end of September. So yesterday up here in our box, we were watching you, Bob Belvin, and Nick Paparesta, head athletic trainer. The three of you were talking. I'm like, I guarantee they're talking about Ramon Laureano. Am I right? And what are you hearing? <laughs> Ramon was part of that conversation, no doubt about it. Um, and, uh, you know, we're just catching up on, on the other IL guys as well. But Ramon's the closest to coming back, and he's the most pressing issue right now. So, um, yeah, I think the plan will be for him to face JB on Monday and uh, get some get some live pitching, get some swings, and then after that, I think we'll determine whether whether he goes to Vegas to to play a game or two. Whether uh, you know he's got to run the bases here, also all those sort of check marks that you you got to do for the training staff. But um, but bottom line is we're, we're getting close here on Ramon, and that's a good feeling. And just how tough is that? Because I take these calls in the postgame show, and they're like, well, when's he coming back? I'm like, this type of injury, if you're talking about a groin or you're talking about a hamstring or you're talking about a calf, you can have all the rehab you want, David, but the key really is just rest. That's how you're going to heal the fastest, right? For sure, for sure. And, and, you know, Ramon had the injection last week with Dr. Philippone, and that, that speeds things up a little bit. But it also – it also depends on the guy and, and you know, you don't, you don't have to see Ramon a lot to, to, to know how he plays. You watch him one night and, and you get a feel for what speed he goes at. And, and that is a factor too, is because, you know, when Ramon Laureano gets back in a game at seven o'clock at night with his adrenaline running, he's going a hundred percent. There's just no, there's no holding him back. It's different. If you have a guy, uh, you know, I'll say like a, a Mitch Moreland who's DHing who you know can is a veteran and can sort of pace himself a little bit. He's not going to run 100 miles out of the box every time. And, and, and that is a factor in when you let a guy go back out there because, trust me, the last thing in the world that Nick wants is for Ramon to go out there. We cleared him. We activate him. And first or second time out of the box, uh-oh, he's limping down to first, and we got to start this process all over again. So it's just – it, it, it probably takes more time than a lot of the, the fans want. They want him out there. Um, but trust me, we do too, and, and we want him to stay out there once he's back. And what you're talking about, we saw with our old friend Josh Donaldson, came back from the calf and booked it down the first baseline. Next, you know, he's lipping and he's out again. So, yeah, we, we do not want that at all. David, there are some rules that, let's just say, I don't agree with. I don't know if you saw the Astros in Boston where Carlos Correa goes out to center field and ends up missing the ball, but they call infield fly rule. I know the letter of the law says the call was right, but if there's ever a guy out in center field dropping the ball and you're calling infield fly rule, I, I to me that's just archaic. Did you see that play? Yeah, I I did actually see the play, yeah, and I think it was uh, Beavers who hit it. And yeah, I mean, look, you've got a, a subjective uh, interpretation on the book. It, it, I think it specifically says in the judgment of the umpire, it's a routine play. Well, as soon as you write that down, you're going to leave yourself open. And uh, I, I don't know how windy it was, or 
or what, but it clearly you watched that play. That was not, uh, it was not a, a, uh, an easy play for any infielder. And yeah, I mean, those, those things happen. Some would argue that's kind of the beauty of the game that you see something like that, you know, every night, maybe you haven't seen before, but yeah, I know what you're saying. That leads me to last night's game and Frankie Montas. I, I hate the catcher's interference rule. I it's just it's it's too penal. You're putting a guy on first. You're giving a catcher an error. It's like in basketball. You go to Warrior games. Like you pass it and the defender kicks it. Okay, you're gonna take the ball out, blow the whistle. It's not like you say, okay, now you get a free layup. I mean, I, I just don't understand it. And I got educated today that it was our own Connie Mack who caused this rule years ago in the 1800s. This rule is so archaic that you got to go back to the 1800s. I just, what do you think about a play like that where, you know, Solaire's done this so many times and now he's getting a free, he's getting a free base. I just, I, I, what do you think? Man, you, you have never sounded more like a former pitcher, Chris, in, <laughs> in, uh, in breaking down that rule. Man, um, I don't know. I guess I hadn't given it a, a whole lot of thought. I didn't realize that, uh, that it was Connie who did that, uh, put it on the books. You know, it, it doesn't come up that often. Obviously, the wrinkle last night was that it wasn't called at home plate, and then, you know, it's subject to review, and that, that kind of bit us. Um, I just I was a little more focused on, you know, the whole inning as it, as, you know, as it pertains to Frankie. He gives up the base hit to lead off, and then the catcher's interference. He gets, you know, gets strikeout Perez, and then, you know, gets the ground ball, which was admittedly a really tough play, but we've gotten we've gotten spoiled here watching Matt Chapman make really tough plays. And you know, in an in an alternate universe, Frankie's out of that inning a lot earlier, and the game ends up different. So that was unfortunate. Yeah, I know. Whenever Matt doesn't make a play like that, you're just kind of shocked because he is so good. But in the month of June, your starters have the best ERA. Just speak to that, what that means, that your pitchers are going deeper now and, and you're getting much more quality innings. It, it's, it's everything. It's the reason we are where we are. And, I, yeah, like I said a few minutes ago, if, if you have you have a starter that keeps you in the game every night, um, good things are going to happen. You're going you're gonna to end up nine or ten games over at this point. You're going to end up in first place because – uh, it just it creates such a bigger margin for everyone else. If the offense, you know, isn't going the first time through the lineup, it gives them a chance to get another look at the starter. If you, you know, you kick a ball early, maybe give up a run, you know that your guy has the ability to shut it down from there on out, and again, give the hitters time to catch up. So it's it's been huge. I mean, Emo does such a good job game planning and doing the advance work with these guys, and and. And you see them putting in the work between starts. I saw Cap out there running yesterday. I saw, uh, you know, Bassett throwing his side, working on pitches. It's just, you know, our fans only get to see them every five days. But, but it's the other four days where the work gets put in, and, and these guys certainly deserve the success they're having. So when you're looking at a player who's played a lot and, and, and has been running around a lot, I think of a guy like Mark Canna, but, but you need him right now so much with Ramon being out. How do you decide when and and when not to give a guy a break who's been out on his feet running around a lot out there? It's it's a huge part of, of what Bob looks at every day. And uh, and Canna's absolutely the guy. I don't know if, if it's just coincidence that you mentioned him, but we have this, this workload report that we put together after every series. Sam Schultz, one of our analysts here, 
takes the StatCast data, puts together literally the, the mileage covered by each of our guys when they're running uh, max effort versus not. And, and Canna, between his work in the outfield, between being on base more than anybody else in the lineup, he's at the top of that workload sheet every series. And, and, um, and Bob is constantly aware of it and constantly trying to get these guys days off their feet. And, and, you know, part of, part of the DH situation is, is making that possible. Obviously Mitch is in there just about every time against right-handers, but you know, when you have a left-handed pitcher and you've got a rotating DH spot, it gets Jed a day off his feet. It gets Canna out of, you know, out of the outfield when Ramon's, active gets Ramon a day maybe where he doesn't have to run into a wall or two so it's it's a huge part of today's game I think we're, we're really lucky to have the stat cast data that we have and we know every every second how fast these guys are running how much ground they cover they're you know there's essentially they're leaving a trail behind them out there in the outfield that we're able to follow and um, it, it's a big part of the manager's job Bob's done a great job with it this year with keeping guys fresh, keeping them healthy, and knowing, you know, when to kind of pull the brakes on some of these guys. I'm so glad you brought that up because to me that's fascinating. I mean, that that, that is really qual- quality data. And we, we first started seeing this in the NBA when they put those cameras on top of the ceiling and they're looking down at the players. And you could get two players who both play, let's just say, 30 minutes a night but one guy might run way more than the other guy and way harder than the other guy. So those two thirty minutes, uh, they're not equal. No, you're right. And, and yeah, guys, you know, again, you can see it subjectively. You see the way Ramon plays or Canna plays and how hard they go. But to have, to have the objective data to back it up has been huge. I've, I've been really impressed with what our analysts have done and working with the performance staff, Josh Cuffey, our, our strength coach can, he tailors these guys' workouts to, based on how much they've, they've worked in the game. I mean, he's not going to run everybody the same pregame or, or work them out in the gym the same, you know, because they're not working the same out on the field. So our, our group has done a really good job using that data I think, to our players' advantage. You know, they've been talking about in baseball how there's a lot of injuries. But, I mean, I kind of look back, there's always injuries. We're dealing with human beings who are playing a professional sport every single day. But just what you guys have, are you seeing ramifications from just the 60-game the season last year to now going full bore, or is there no evidence to support that? I think we're seeing it a little bit and the, the way guys are recovering. I, th- I think we know the, you know the really hard part is probably still coming. It's when we get into July and August, which are typically the dog days anyways, um, I, think, I think we'll see more of it. And, and, and look, we, you know, to be totally honest, we've been lucky. I mean, we've had our share of injuries, but you look at teams out there with 15, 16 guys at a time on the IL. I know, I know Farhan's boys across the bay have a pretty big injured list and, uh, and they're weathering it. So it, it's out there, and I think where there's more to come. But, um, again, you go back to this idea of managing the workload, too. I mean, Bob's adjusted uh, over the years, and, and we're not taking early BP as much. We're, we're not hitting, you know, other than in the cage on day games. I mean, he's managed the way that, that he gets these guys ready, too, just based on, based on all those things. Everything goes into it. Yeah, some days I got to have throat lozenges. Some days I need tea. I mean, we all got to work around this going every day. Uh, one of my favorite television shows of all time was X-Files. I love conspiracies. Whenever they have something on the Discovery Channel, whatever, I'm all in. 
and Pete Alonso comes out and talks about how they're changing the baseball to rig it against free agents. If there's a, and I'm not going to ask you about that, but Zach Scott, they're like interim GM, has to respond to that. I mean, a player's conspiracies, free agency, equipment, I just can't think that's good for our game. <laughs> I saw I saw the comments. I did not see poor Zach Scott having to answer for that because I, you know, putting myself in his position, I have no idea what I would say. But um, but yeah, there's some there's some wild stuff out there, and we you and I have talked about the baseball, and uh, and guys have ideas about that, and certainly everything else that's going on in the news this week. But um, but yeah, I mean, you you always want to keep the focus on the field. You know, what the guys are doing between the lines. When, when, when we're talking about the industry, the game as a whole, you want to sell the positives to the fans. You want them to come out and believe in what they're seeing and, and enjoy the experience. So, uh, you know, hopefully some of that stuff fades in the background as we, as we get further in the season and start talking pennant races and the things that matter. You know, one thing that, and we'll end on this, is that if you want to talk about why you should be tuning into baseball every single night, is the amount of talent that we have in this sport, the amount of young talent, the athleticism. In your long career, have you ever seen a more talented young group since you've been in the big leagues? It, it's been going that direction for a while now, and, and you're right. We, we've got some incredible young players. I know you know everything. every website I looked at today was hyping the DeGrom versus Tatis matchup in New York tonight. Um, and there, it seems like there's stuff like that every night, whoever Vlad's facing or, you know, Juan Soto's a little under the radar now because the Nationals are, are lower in the standings, but, but he might be as good a player as we've seen in the last decade. And it just, it is, it's a great time to sell the game to people. And hopefully, hopefully we're able to do that and, and get together with the players to do it. Cause there, there are a lot of fun performances to watch, like you said, on, on a nightly basis. So if you're you, you're on deck and they're calling your name, are we going hard rock? Are we going soft? Are we going country? Uh, Cody talked about hair rock in the '80s, maybe doing a ballad. What what are you doing going to the plate? Man, I I never have a good answer to this question. My my musical tastes are are of about a 65 year old guy right now, and you check my uh, XM. I've got Tom Petty radio, Springsteen radio. Pearl Jam radio, so I, I don't uh, I don't have a great answer for that. I, I wish I had had the chance to have walk up music somewhere, but uh, never quite got that far to uh, to make it. I would like Tom Petty. <laughs> I think Tom Petty would be solid. <laughs> All right, I'll think I'll think of a better answer. Look through my uh, Tom Petty anthology and see what I can come up with. Great stuff as always. Enjoy the rest of the week, and we'll talk to you next Friday. All right, see you, Chris. The general manager of your Oakland Athletics, David Forrest. Well, Tom Petty. I was thinking uh, the best the best example would be running down a dream because he said he never had a chance to make it any you know had a chance to have walk up music so running down a dream running down the dream of playing major league baseball uh, fits. They didn't have walk up music at Harvard. No, you know who's a good person to ask about this? We should ask Hembo about this next time. Remember, he was a what was he a D three player, D two or whatever he was. He was, D, he was D. He wasn't D one. No. He was like he was D2, a slap D3. hitter, slap hitter in Ohio somewhere in the Midwest of a school we've never heard of. It wasn't. The, <laughs> I'll tell you what. It wasn't the peace sack. I'll tell you that. <laughs> what time are we out of here? Uh, we are done in like three or four. I think it's three or four minutes. All right. Do you have one special buying or selling? Yes. You want the music or no? Sure. Okay. 
It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. Good news about Ramon Laureano in there from David Forrest. So that's. Hey, once he starts running the bases, that that's that's when we'll be able to report it because we'll see it. And once he starts running the bases, that's when he's close. Uh, so David Forrest was talking. You guys were talking about the best, uh, you know, young players in baseball. And, you know, there's Juan Soto. Nando. No, you, you ruined it. Nando was going to be the last one I was going to talk about. But, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr. Acuna. Uh, well, Bo Bichette, Vladdy. Um, did, did I say Nando? Fernando Tatis Jr.? Nando. So Nando, uh, he might be the most electrifying player in baseball. The cover, the, uh, cover boy for MLB The Show 21. And uh, MLB Network is releasing a new documentary the day after the All-Star Game on July 14th titled Tatis, The Rise of El Nino. The only other active player to be featured in an MLB Network Presents documentary is Mike Trout in 2017. The network also produced the 2018 documentary Mr. Padre, a life, a look at the life and career of Hall of Famer Tony Gwynn. Now, the documentary features interviews with Tatis, his father, Fernando Tatis, wait for it, senior, his brother, uh, Elijah, who's a shortstop in the White Sox organization, the team that traded Tatis to the, the Padres, uh, Padres GM A.J. Preller and others. The program looks at Tatis's rise from growing up in the DR, Dominican Republic, through his 2019 MLB debut and his quick ascension to becoming one of the game's best players and marketing sensation. Buying or selling the Fernando Tatis Jr. documentary. I'm totally buying. Sell these kids. I mean, they've got, you know, you know the Miami Hurricanes created the turnover chain. Yeah, they did. They were the originators of when you come off making a good play that you put a chain on and, and I was actually, I've actually been to a Miami Hurricane game, and it's pretty hilarious. Now everybody's copying that, and the Padres have one. What the 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 Phillies have the sombrero, the Ray ha- the Ray Fossey sombrero. Have you seen that? Uh, not to watch the Phillies play. All right, so if the Phillies do something special, they put the sombrero on in the dugout. It's fun, but this kid's electric. This kid is something to sell. Let's sell. Per- He's got. You know the difference between him and a lot of the guys you just brought up. He's got personality. Um, I think Juan Soto has a good personality. But Juan Soto's personality is nothing like. Oh this no, case. no. But I'm saying like, but you're but right. That's though. what he, you got to sell. Yeah, he has a he has a great personality. There's, you know what the, you know what they say? Sizzle to the steak, baby. He's got the sizzle. Sell him. Fans love watching him. He's fun to play. When he played the A's last year. You got to see how great mic'd up, how great his personality is, how great Mark Canna's personality is. But a guy like Fernando Tatis, I know he hasn't played a full season, and I know he may not be a shortstop full-time, but this kid is electric with a great personality. Haven't we said, Cody, let's promote the people with great personalities? Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad they're doing it. It's just I, I know there's going to be people like, well, wait, you're, you're doing one on him, but you haven't done one on Acuna or, or Juan Soto or Vlad Jr., or something like that. Well, no, but they're not. They're they're not polarizing like he's been. They're not. They're not exciting like he is from a standpoint of put the mic in front of them and let them go. Yeah, none of those guys are. You know, none of those guys are on the cover of MLB the show either. I mean, the. So. I mean, we have certain players in this game that we need to highlight, right? If a guy just goes out there and he's really good, like Garrett Cole's really good, put a mic in front of Garrett Cole. He's not dynamic. You got to sell your dynamic uh, personalities. Uh, 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 I don't. Uh, I, 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 I don't know how to answer that. 
<laughs> what the, the I mean, spider it's question. ridiculous. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, that's the thing. Baseball now, who do they highlight on, like on, on Sundays on the NFL Network? If you ball, you get the call. And you're talking to Deion Sanders, Mr. Personality, and all these guys know how great Deion was, and they're all like, we're talking to Deion Sanders. I mean, hey, that's head football coach Deion Sanders now. They're, 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 they're selling personality, and that's yeah. what we need to do yeah. more in our game because our game at times seems stiff, and it really isn't. And by highlighting a kid like this, you realize the game isn't stiff. I agree, and I'm glad they're doing it because he has a great personality and Hey, Mookie Betts is a great player, but what? I mean, really? Great bowler, but we're going to talk about bowling. Yeah. Bellinger, Bell. I mean, yeah. these... ba- Trevor Bauer is great, but nah. exactly. I want to highlight. I want a yeah. mic in front of Trevor Bauer. <laughs> you know what it's called? It's called ratings. It's called excitement. Yeah. Whether you like Tatis or not, or Bauer or not, these guys are the people the public wants to see. That's weak. That's weak. Oh, thanks, Crook. <laughs> Crook. I love Crook. All right. Thank you for listening to A's Cast Live today. I'll be back in a few minutes with A's Total Access. What are we playing? Ned Yost. We're going to replay Ned Yost. The great Ned Yost from Dublin High and Chabot Junior College. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.